Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. And this is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. What's up, Beth? Happy Monday. <laughs> That's like a, another staple um, saying. Happy Monday. Yes. Never miss a Monday. another t-shirt. <laughs> we oh. should. <laughs> it has been such a long time since I have done anything with merch, and I am going to fix that. Yeah. I I'm going to get on there. It. Make some new tees. Except to order my third sweatshirt because my first one like got worn out because I wore it so many times that like the back started like crumbling. Mm-hmm. And then I ordered a new one and then I lost it in the airport like yes. three days after I got it. <laughs> so somebody could be walking around with a Crimes and Closet shirt that didn't intend to. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be so cool if they looked us up especially. I know, right? Like, hey, that's cool. Yeah. So, How and did now you I have find my this podcast. One. Nice. Yeah, exactly. I saw. I, mean, I saw in our email somebody ordered one. I assumed it was you because it wasn't me. Oh yeah, yeah, it was me because I needed another one. I have to have one. I mean, we're getting into sweatshirt weather. Not sweater well. That's weather. when I was. Sweater weather. What is that from? I think it's a Saturday Night Live thing. Oh, is it? But it's the Amy Poehler. I feel like it's kind of like sweater weather, sweater weather, sweater weather, sweater weather, <laughs> sweater weather. Anyway, um, it's a TikTok too, I think. Okay. So um, I want to do some fun new sweatshirts. That's what I was specifically thinking of when I said we need new shirts. I was thinking sweatshirts. Okay. Stay cool. tuned. But if you go and look and it's not there, I'm sorry. I'll get to it. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I survived camping. Yay! You want to hear something crazy, though? We went tubing first, and the river was, like, not moving at all. So it took us over three hours to go, like, a mile. I'm not kidding. Just floated, like, real long day. (laughs) Um, It was a lot of fun. You will never believe when we got out of the river, two of the people had leeches on them. I know it. Yeah, that's not cool. One was Wes. (gasps) And you know how he is. It was on his leg. And he had to pull it off. And he was like, I did not expect that. (laughs) And it was leached on. Is that a word? (sighs) It was it was like, like he has a mark. (laughs) I know. So we were all like ran into our tents and like stripped down. Like we're doing like leech checks. (laughs) It was gross. But no that's one... one of those things that I'm that scares the crap out of me, like leeches and ticks. I don't; those are the yeah. two things I do not want on me when leaving the wild. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I don't think anybody's like, oh yay, a tick. <laughs> <laughs> They're real creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, things that suck your blood are not um, cannot recommend. Yeah. No. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Do not recommend them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad that fine. you survived that. You uh, yeah. made it out no alive. No one murdered. Yeah. No one murdered me. There were no wild animals that I know of. Just a few leeches. <laughs> good. Good, 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 good. <laughs> and it's the end of Serial Killer September. Speaking uh, I of know. leeches. going to say that. And we're ending on a doozy, too, because this mm-hmm. guy. Mm-mm. Don't. Great. Don't like him at all. Not, I mean, not mm. that I like anybody, but 
<laughs> Definitely don't like him. So yeah. anyway, but we're rolling into October and we'll have our collab with what happened in the woods at the end of October for mm-hmm. our special bonus Halloween episode. Yes. So that will be fun. Getting into fall, spooky season. I think today is the first day of fall. Oh, oh, like day of recording? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It it's is. so hot as balls here. It's well, like you know. five. <laughs> So yeah, we same here. We had the beginning of the week heat advisories. They actually had to cancel <laughs> someone's like soccer practice because of a heat advisory. That's how it was like over a hundred heat advisory. However, today high is like sixty five. So I feel oh. like St. Louis was like, okay, it's fall. Let's give them a couple sixty degree days because that's today and tomorrow. But then it'll be eighty five on Sunday or Saturday. So. <laughs> well, you know. a wella wella. Yeah, which is good because. It's my middle guy's birthday today, day of recording. Yay! And he's having birthday party, which is a pool party, on Saturday. So at least the weather will cooperate for that. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway. do we want to jump right in here? I mean, yeah. I mean, yes. Uh-huh. It's the last of the last of the last. Last one, guys. Till next survived year. serial killer September. Yes. <laughs> Officially. So. Hopefully. All right. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, here we go. Okay. <sighs> this episode for sure deserves a in deep the beginning. breath in through Kids your nose, one. out through your mouth. Am I going to be sick? Are we okay? Um, Are we okay here? Yes. Yes. No, we're not. We're not going to be okay. You're going to be... Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go. It's gonna be tough. I gotta go. It's gonna be rough. It's gonna be rough. So ending on a doozy, uh, are ya? We are ending on a doozy. Hold on to your friggin' pants, oh, no. people. And those who know this person, so the person who suggested this is your friend Candace. Hello, Candace. And I wrote her. I actually friended her on my personal Instagram so that I could write her because <laughs> I was like, I'm not writing fantastic. to you. Well, she's fantastic, yes, but I was like, I do not want Beth to read anything that I'm writing. Oh, no. She's like, I went into a rabbit hole. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I went from rabbit hole to rabbit hole to rabbit hole with this guy, and sick, sick. We all know that serial killers are horrible people, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to venture to say that this guy is the sickest individual that I've ever researched, ever, to this point. Great. So. Well. So there you go. Yeah, well. Actually, I'm out. <laughs> Hope you guys Cheers. enjoy. I am logging <laughs> off now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a sip and then I'm going to start. Okay. <laughs> okay. We are about to talk about Tommy Lynn Sell. Okay. Always with the three names. Always. Okay. What the hell? This, again, was suggested by Candace. She must have known that you were going to hate this guy. Although, I think she, I think when you sent me the list, it may have been like, this she sent this to my personal or something. I don't know because there was one li- one on the list. From okay, that. but anyway, you would never oh, had you no. actually looked into him. You would never have actually gone down this path. You'd been like, nope, I'm out. I Peace. know what's gonna happen <laughs> now. Yeah. So trigger children. Trigger warning. Yes, there is children. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna try and cover this in the best possible order. Okay. However, 
it gets a little hairy and it's, I don't know, it just gets a little confusing. So it's fine, whatever. I think I, I probably preface a lot of mine with that because it's kind of, that's my biggest um, struggle is how do I tell this story? Where do I start? Mm-hmm. Where do I go back? You know, anyway. Okay. So we're going to start with his background though. Tommy was born on June 28th, 1964 on in Oakland, California. She or Wait, he? June twenty eighth. Yeah. Let's see what you keep going. I'm gonna tell you what side. Yeah, he is. I don't know. Okay, he was born to Nina Sells. He had a twin sister named Tammy Jean. So Tommy Lynn and Tammy Jean. He's a cancer. Oh well, I mean, I don't know what that means, but he truly is a cancer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, got it. But um, bum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? A cancer. Um, mm-hmm. lots of energy, aggressive, um, mm. vulnerable, mm-hmm. uh, very emotional <laughs> and in your head, um, mm-hmm. like okay. desire, fulfillment is a big thing. Okay. okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tracks well. Okay, good. So his father is listed as William Sells, but it is believed that his biological father is another man who forced William into claiming them as his children okay for whatever reason not long after um they're born they moved the family to st louis missouri oh, oh. so we're in, the, we're in the loo welcome in <laughs> at around yes welcome into the loo uh but we do go somewhere else that is tied to yeah, no is he still alive uh, our, no no yeah. good oh thank goodness at around 18 months old tammy jean contracted spinal meningitis oh, no. mm-hmm. she had a high fever and when she was taken to the er they misdiagnosed her with pneumonia and ended up passing away that is a very serious thing to contract a friend yes, of ours well, dad contracted it and mm-hmm. he is still messed up oh yes, really he had a knee replacement and he got bacterial meningitis Ooh. on his brain and now, so is there, there there's got to be a difference between bacterial and spinal. Well, no, what, there's a viral right. one and a bacteria one. Okay. Well, she had spinal meningitis, so I don't That's know. That's all spinal meningitis. It's just whether it's bacterial oh. or viral. Oh, okay, got you. Sorry. But it all lives in your much. spinal fluid. Okay. Understand. I did, clearly, I did not research meningitis because it was not. Yeah. No, I don't. I I, <laughs> we, we've done enough here. We don't need to read yeah, about other things. <laughs> Mm -mm. so tammy dies and right after that nina sends tommy to live with her sister bonnie in holcomb missouri with bonnie and her two daughters okay teenage daughters okay he lived with her for about two and a half to three years and he would say that those were the happiest years of his life he liked living there everything was going great at the age of five nina had not checked in on him hadn't visited nothing and so Bonnie was like, well, I want to adopt him, officially adopt him, make him part of the family. So when she checked in on that, Nina was like, nope, I don't like that idea, so I'm going to take Tommy back. Mm. So she comes and gets Tommy, brings oh, him his parents home. sound great. Yeah, they do. <laughs> one, one dad is forcing another man to take his children. Mom's abandoning him. Got it. Right, and I honestly, I don't really know how much he knows, he, at, well, at this time, knew that his dad wasn't his biological dad. I don't know how much of that he knew at the time, right. but we'll see. Anyway, 
So, according to Sells, he began drinking alcohol at the age of seven. Whoa. Mm-hmm. That's my little he one. He would drink the... I know. That's what I was like. Can you imagine? My little one drinking alcohol? No, ma'am. <laughs> no, so. exactly. I, no. Mm-mm. I don't even want to imagine my 16-year-old no. drinking alcohol. I'm sorry. No. So it's worse. He would find the liquor like that was hidden underneath the car seat. I think it, maybe it was his grandfather's or something. I don't know. Somebody was hiding liquor under the car seat. And so the seat of the car. And so he found it and started drinking it. So... Um, Nina then moved them to Frisbee, Missouri, which I did not look up where this is, but I'm okay. going to live in Frisbee <laughs> just because it's Frisbee. And at the age of eight, he met, Tommy met Willis Clark, who lived nearby. And Tommy would spend lots of time with this man and in his home. And Willis would buy him things and let him spend the night at his house. And I see you're scrunching your eyes because that's just weird, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An eight-year-old boy. Tommy would also throw fits if his mother would be like, no, you can't go over to Willis's house today or whatever. And he would throw a fit until she would let him go over. Tommy later on says that Willis was molesting him, Mm -hmm. which would sort of be proven years later when Willis was convicted of molestation of another child. So he was not a good man. No. So Tommy's not starting his life off very well. No, that's sad. Mm -hmm. He really went to school. I feel bad for child Tommy. Oh, yeah. Not adult Tommy. 100%. I feel bad for child no. Tommy. No, because I'm a lot of this is probably what shaped him into the person that for he sure. became. For sure. So he rarely went to school and he actually stopped going to school at the age of 10. <sighs> so can you imagine that? What's that, like fifth grade? Yeah, pretty mm-hmm. much. Yeah, because my middle guy's 11 and in mm-hmm. six. So yeah, mm-hmm, fifth grade. At the age of 13, he climbed into his grandmother's bed naked hoping to, I think, do some stuff with her. And she basically told him, you need to get the hell out of here and don't you ever think about doing anything like that again. But of course, nobody's reporting that at the time. Why? I don't know, but whatever. I'm sorry, okay. I'm not responding in words because mm-hmm. what? You, I'm, I, I will not be surprised if you can't respond in words on a lot of the stuff that this okay. guy does. Can so. I go then? You can. You can. Just, I'll just. I'll just. I'll just talk to a wall. It's fine. It's fine. I'll be like, guys, Beth's making the craziest face right now. <laughs> okay. So at one point, his mom is also running a bar and apparently is selling him to people for sex. Oh my god. She calls him her little whore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was always somewhat of a wanderer and didn't necessarily stay with his mom most of the time. And one day at the age of 14 or 15, I don't know, I've heard both, so I'm just putting it in there as both, he left home. And when he walked to the trailer that his mom and other siblings, because then I think she eventually had other kids, were living, it was empty. Everything was gone. And they had just picked up and left and had no, and left no forwarding address and Tommy had no idea where they went. Apparently they had gone to Michigan and so Tommy's just left as a teenager and he's homeless. So Well well, at least he's not being sex trafficked anymore. Well, that's true, but I'm sure that's why he didn't stay with his mom half the time because No doubt. He's probably like, I'm tired of this crap. No doubt. So Tommy would then travel across the US during the years of nineteen seventy eight to nineteen ninety nine. 
He'd find short-term jobs in different cities to make money. He'd hop freight trains to get there, hitchhike, all the things. He drank and did a lot of drugs. He went to Mississippi, apparently, initially, and this is what he has said. Accidentally killed a man. And then in California, he got into a fight with someone, and he had an ice pick in his hand and ended up killing him. So he'll say these things, but I don't think he got caught Mm -hmm. for either one of those. Why did he have a nice pick? I don't know. Maybe it was part of the job he was doing. At, you know, because he'd just pick up odds and I've jobs. I've never even seen a nice pick in real life. Me either, but I don't know. People kill people with letter openers, and I don't have one of those either. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so, anyway, I don't know. So ice okay. picks and letter so, openers are for murderers. You heard it here. Yes. Mm-hmm. 100%. So those two murders that I just mentioned were not planned, but he has now the taste of killing in his mouth, and he kind of likes it. So at the age of 17, he ends up finding his mom in Little Rock, Little Rock, Arkansas in 1981, and he moves in with them, back in with them. And one day, his mom was in the shower, and Tommy goes into the bathroom, takes all of his clothes off, joins his mother in the shower, and... I have written attempts to have sex with her, but then I have heard that he is attempting to rape her and she's fighting him off. Right. So she kicks him out, kicks him out of the house, all of that. After this incident, he is sent to therapy, but it was an outpatient therapy and he only went to five sessions and then he just disappears mm-hmm. and doesn't go okay. anywhere. So over the years, he would be jailed for various things such as public drunkenness, stealing, car theft, all that kind of yep. stuff. Just little things like that. Car theft? (laughs) Grand theft auto, man? Grand theft auto. In May of 1984, he is arrested for car theft, and he's released in February of 1985. So he spends 10 months in jail. Again, over the next few years after that, he's arrested for public drunkenness, all the things, spend times in a hospital for a heroin overdose at one point. All of these occurring in different states. Arizona, Utah, Illinois, Massachusetts, California, Oregon, Arkansas, and Nevada. Wow. That I know of at this point. <laughs> Dude gets yeah. around. He's like legit one side of the country to the other. I mean, it's all over, which is probably why he eluded police for 20-some years, maybe. I think it is. Anyway. So, in 1990, he is arrested for stealing a truck in Wyoming, and he ends up spending 16 months in jail for that. And while he's there, he's diagnosed with borderline and schizoid features. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you understand more of this than I do, but personality disorder, antisocial disorder, substance abuse disorder, bipolar, major depression disorder, and psychosis. Mm -hmm. Yep. All of that. It's a lot going on. All the things. So, yeah. So, let's just let this guy out of jail without any help, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Pretty much. That's what happens. So, on May 13th, 1992, he is in Charleston, West Virginia. Oh, really? I hail mm. from not far from there. Yes, you know why I'm I talking know. in a British accent? <laughs> when we're talking about West Virginia, but it's fine. <laughs> yes. I'm using um, odd accents as a buffer or something. Yes, <laughs> you are. You're just trying to get us through here. Yes. Yeah. The geographic lo- connections for this guy to us in general, it's insane. Okay, so, oh, weird. Anyway. Okay. 
You are actually probably lucky that you did not come across this Well, I was just getting ready to ask you, now, what year did he move to the WV? Well, well it's, I don't even know that he moved. Okay. Because I feel like it's just like he wanders. Right. But at, so in, ni- in 1992. Okay. So I was being 11. Mm-hmm. You were being, 11. being 11. And thankfully he hadn't decided to start killing kids by then. <laughs> okay. So this is where he comes across Fabian Witherspoon. Do you know Fabian? <laughs> can't say that I do. She's 19. I don't know. Maybe like an older sibling knows him. I don't know. Anyway, she's a 19-year-old who walked into town to get a pregnancy test done. She was negative, by the way. Okay. Um, When she was walking back, she came across Tommy, who was panhandling. Okay. He held a sign that said, I will work for food. So she said that he looked pretty disheveled and rough and asked him if he was hungry, and he had told her that he had been living under a bridge with his wife and children. Okay. Which actually happens in West Virginia quite a lot. It does, but I think for him it was probably a lie. Okay. Well, yeah, he doesn't have kids. Okay. Well, that we know of. So she said that she didn't live far and that he could come with her and she would give him some food and maybe some clothes. So they were walking together and when they get to her home, she told him, you know, just wait outside. I'll go in, get a bag full of food for you and bring it out. So she fills up, up a bag and when she's turning to bring it out, he's standing mm-hmm. there in her house which by the way can i just say that's really nice of her and that is so like people from west virginia yes it is a bad rap as a state but Mm -hmm. like the nicest people you will ever meet there Mm. truly the nicest yes it was it was very nice of her to to offer this but got it okay tell me go just go just tell me (laughs) she's she looked at him because he's standing right there and she's like, is there anything else that you might need? And he says that his wife could use some underwear. Seems like an odd request okay. from you. But. So she goes, she's like, okay, fine. I'll go back, go into the room, gather some clothes and some underwear for you. She goes into the room. He grabs a knife from the kitchen, follows her and demands for her to take her clothes mm-hmm. off. Ends up bringing her into the bathroom and traps her there and proceeds to rape yeah. her. There's a ceramic <clears throat> duck. Okay, so I, I'm i actually not 100% sure that this is her house or how she's house-sitting because there's been two different scenarios. Okay. And I tend to think it is a house she's house-sitting for, but I feel like why is she giving those people's clothes away if it is? Well, if but, you house-set, you're staying there, so you have things. Oh, well, that's true. You're giving your own yeah. stuff. That's true. Okay. Okay. Fair. Okay. Sorry. Didn't think of that. Because she says she remembers seeing a duck, a ceramic duck, on the back of the toilet. And to me, if you're living there, clearly you know that the ceramic duck is there. She's like, I remember seeing this ceramic duck, grabbing it and starting to hit him over the head until it was all basically broken in pieces. Okay, okay. She's fighting. I like it. She is fighting. But for some, somehow, she not, she does knock the knife free from his hand and she gets a few stabs in, but she doesn't really remember that until later. Um, I'm liking that she's remembering things later, by the way. I feel like we're going to be okay She's a survivor. Spoiler. Got it. She is. She is a survivor. So he's still standing, though. She doesn't know how. It's like super strength, whatever. She tries to flee, but he catches her, tapes her up, finds a piano stool, and starts beating her with that, and then stabs her 18 times. Oh, my gosh. Freaking sicko guy. He doesn't want to leave people alive. He doesn't. That's basically his MO. He flees. The serial killer's MO is killing. (laughs) I love you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
doesn't, he doesn't want to leave people alive. <laughs> Just this killer okay. simo. He never wants to leave them alive. I forgot you guys knew as a serial killer. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, oh she manages to call the police. And when they question her, she's like, well, uh, we walked from where he was panhandling to the house. And so we had conversation and he said, my name is Tommy Lynn Sells. <laughs> oh my. Like, oh, because he thought she was going to be dead. Oh. Mm-hmm. So the police officer recognizes that name because I think either the day before or within days before that, he had questioned a panhandler and had gotten the name of that person and the phone number. And it was Tommy Lynn. So they trace his number back and they find out where he lives and they go and find him and he is in bad shape. Oh, yes, girl. Yeah. He looked like he had been stabbed, they said, when they walked in the house and he had a wound to his head. And when they take him to the hospital, they find that his spleen has been cut. He had a collapsed lung and his kidney had been nicked and his testicle had been cut. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Be right back. I'm going to go get a ceramic duck. Because apparently mm-hmm. that is a weapon of choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The police believe that they had, if they had not shown up at his house and arrested him that day, that he would have died. Oh, dang. And honest, honestly, I wish that would have been the best case scenario if that guy had just died in his apartment, wherever he was in West Virginia, like, and not lived Man. to go on. So as they're preparing for trial... The defense had found that Fabian had made other allegations against people, but charges were never filed in those cases. And so they were like, so does she just keep making up things about people? And so they're kind of making the victim to be a bad person, which sucks. He's got the crap beat out of them. She's not making it up. I know. I know. Oh, I know. And then they also found some mental health issues, which so what? So... They were just like, let's strike a deal with you because, you know, we don't think we can use you as a witness to corroborate all of this. So he pled guilty to malicious wounding and in June of 1993 was sentenced to two to ten years. Okay. The rape charges were dropped. Okay. And basically it was attempted murder. I mean, I'm sorry. He stabbed her 18 times. So malicious wounding. Mm-hmm. And beat her oh. with a piano stool. Okay, so while he's in prison, he is diagnosed again with bipolar. Also, while in jail, he met another in- inmate who he befriended. This man told Tommy that about his sister, Nora, who was a mentally disabled woman, and that she received SSI checks, which I don't know if everybody knows, but supplemental security income if you're disabled. Tommy meets her when she comes to visit her brother and strikes up a romance. He ends up marrying her while in jail in April of 1996. He cons her out of most of her money. She ends up putting like three quarters of her, of her SSI checks into his account in jail. He gets released after five years. So he is sentenced to two to ten, gets released after five in May of 1997. Tommy leaves Nora after getting out, but he ends up coming back to her. The two move to Tennessee for a little short time, where Tommy leaves her again, but then comes back to her. Nora ends up getting pregnant, and the two move to St. Louis, so they can be near his mom as she's pregnant. Okay. 
He starts using drugs again and leaves Nora and St. Louis in December of 1997. So, I mean, all of this is happening very quickly. (laughs) She had a baby. So he heads down the... Well, she didn't have it. She's still pregnant. Because she ends up giving birth at the... In April of 1998. And then places for adoption because she does not no she knows she can't handle okay. it and she does not want tommy no Lynn right to cool. be love that no okay Nora. Yeah. Nora's yes nor mentally disabled according to this these documents but i don't know what the extent with is with a and violent so, criminal mm-hmm, with a violent criminal mm-hmm. hmm. yes good so. she seems like so in april person. yes 100 percent, and thankfully survives tommy lynn yeah apparently he had some sort of love for her because he doesn't end up killing her so in april of 1999 he was in del rio texas because he was working for a carnival that had brought him there from south carolina he was a carny carny. oh my gosh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah he ends up taking a nine-year-old girl mary b perez from a festival in her town and kills her now, I'm just mentioning that quickly because it's just kind of like a blip right now on his radar. But she's taken literally in the middle of this festival happening in her town. Hundreds of people are And he's working? And somehow ends up... Well, he was working for a carnival in the area, but this was a festival okay. specific to her community, okay. I think. So he just walks around, finds Sweet her, grabs her. baby? Nine-year-old. Nine because I will say, and I think I may mention this later, after Fabian and he gets convicted and goes to jail, he's like, I'm not, I'm not going to um, attack people that are my size anymore because clearly if they can survive it, then I don't want to attack them anymore. That's at the point at which he decides to do attack only children. So, Oh, is he a small person? Yes. No, but he's just like, I don't want to attack adults that could possibly overpower me. Oh my gosh, I just Basically. saw this meme the other day that was like, I don't know if I sent it to you or not, but it was like, the smaller you are, the easier it is for you to be abducted, so eat the cake. Mm-hmm. No, I've seen that before. Yeah. Like, eat it. I'm going, eat I'm the cake. going to, that's great advice. Mm-hmm. Eat the cake and the Doritos. Doritos. Permission. <laughs> that's okay. my favorite. So, December 31st, 1999. Back when we were all about to find out if all the computers were going to crash and shit was going to hit the Y2K, (laughs) baby. It's going to be Y2K. (laughs) Like, here we are. We're still in Del Rio, Texas. Katie Harris, who was 13, and Crystal Surleys, who was 10, were having a slumber party. Katie was on the bottom bunk in her room and Crystal was on the top. Crystal's family was in the process of moving there. And so her and her sister were spending the night at the Harris house while her parents were out of town, kind of getting things ready to move. Crystal's little sister was asleep in another room, and she was pissed, because she was like, I want to sleep with you big girls. Why can't I have all the fun with you guys? Anyway, um, Crystal and Katie were sound asleep at 4.30 a.m. Clearly, Y2K had hit, and everything was good. (laughs) When someone breaks into the house through a window... The intruder had scuffled a little bit when he broke in and woke up Katie's seven-year-old brother, Justin. Now, Justin is blind. And so when he heard the scuffle, he thought it was the girls messing with him and said something along the lines of, I wish you two would quit making noise and let me sleep. Like, get out of here. Okay. You're annoying me. 
No, no. The intruder then leaves Justin, because clearly he knows he cannot see him to identify him, so he leaves Justin alone. He goes down the hallway into Katie's room. He wakes up Katie and holds her at knife point and at some point, like, cuts her bra off, then has her take her clothes off, and in the process, somehow she gets cut and she makes some sort of comment like, hey, you didn't have to cut me. Like, what are you doing? And so Crystal gets woken up and she's just kind of laying there quietly, not knowing what to do. Because what do you do in that instance? Your friend, like clearly there's a man that could overpower both Mm -hmm. of you likely. And your friend is getting attacked. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it didn't, it did seem as though Katie knew the man based on like her saying a comment and just, I don't know, but there was a, a, some sort of idea that Katie knew who this person was. So as she lay there terrified, Katie is looking at her in the eyes and the man slits Katie's Oh throat. my gosh. Mm-hmm. And she falls to the floor next to the bed. So Crystal's just laying there like, well, what do I do? I need to stay quiet. So the man starts to walk out the door and turns around to take one more look and sees Crystal's head who had like kind of popped up to like get oh, a no, look. Oh no, no, no. So he closes the door, walks scream, over to her. Scream, scream. Mm-hmm. He asks her to move her hands and what she says is that her hands were somewhat up by her neck and he asks her to move them and then he slits her throat as well. He's pretty sure that he has killed both of these girls. But Crystal survived. He's like and bad at this even. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> I mean, at this point, he's not very good. Well, I guess you, you slit someone's throat and you just assume you've cut them deep enough. This is horrific. But anyway, it is horrific. It's, it's, and this isn't even the worst of it, Beth. This is what I'm trying to tell you. It's not even the worst. So she's pretty sure that everyone in the house is killed. Like, she's like, there's zero chance that he's left everyone in here. So she, when she's sure he's gone, she gets up and she goes, walks a quarter of a mile down the road. She just walked right out of the house. She didn't check to see if anybody was alive. She just assumed they were all dead. Walks down the road to a neighbor's house, bangs on the door. They look out and they see her standing there, clearly blood everywhere. Let her in and she writes them notes because her vocal cords are severed. She writes, the Harrises are hurt. And there's pictures of these notes. Like, I mean, I could post them, but I don't know if I want to. But anyway. And when they ask who did it, she writes, this guy. And then apparently, she also, like, moves her body into the kitchen because she was concerned about ruining their carpet with her blood. And she's 10. Sweet little 10-year-old Crystal. Wow. She then writes, tell them to hurry. My neck needs help. And will I live? So, oh. Anyway, so the ambulance arrives at 5.12 a.m. Police enter the Harris home, and Mrs. Harris is kind of confused. Like, what, what's going on? Because clearly not everyone was dead. Only Katie was. They ask if anyone's in the home. She's like, just me and my kids and our friend's kids. They're like, is your daughter in the back bedroom? Is anybody with her? She's like, I know. So when they walk in, they see Katie's body on the floor. Crystal regains co- consciousness in the hospital the next day, and she she's like, Give me the cops. Bring the cops to me. I want to talk to him. All the things. She saw the man and she was like, I want to give them a description. So she writes down her description and a forensic artist comes in to do a sketch with her. After the sketch was done, Katie's dad recognizes the man as Tommy Lynn Sells because 
they were going to the same church as this man. And he had been to their house a few times asking them for just like life advice, marriage advice. And he was also a car salesman who had they had bought a car for, from. So this wasn't like random. Mm-hmm. He knew these people yeah. and he went in there. And she's 10. So I just wanted to, she's 10. She's like, bring me yeah, the cops. She's 10. I'm going to help find this she's, man that attacked me and my friend. Bring me the cops. I'm mm-hmm. 10 years old. And I'm the yep. most amazing. Badass crystal. Yes. <laughs> So the next day they do a photo lineup for Crystal and she picks out Tommy Lynn as the attacker immediately. They track him down to his trailer that he's living in with his wife, Jessica, at the time. Oh, he so was actually later. married? Again. Oh. <laughs> because he had already married Nora and divorced Nora and married Jessica. So this is what I'm saying. It's kind of going all over the place, but this is the timeline of events that make the most sense. So she had children too, Jessica. Oh, great. Good. He had met Jessica in 1998 when he was a carnival worker. He drove the truck to pull the Ferris wheel, apparently. And he was enamored with her, and she liked him. She even went on the road with him for a couple days. He also attempted to live a somewhat normal life with her once he met her. He was like, okay, maybe I can better myself. And so they married in October of 1998, which is not long after he had left Nora. Okay. So I feel like he left her sometime in early 1998. He became a mechanic, and but then he started doing drugs again. Mm-hmm. Drugs were just always a part of his life. He said that he would tell people he quit, but he never fully quit. It was like he would slow down to try and make things better, but he never ever fully quit, it, quit drugs. So they had always had their issues. And he actually left her in February of 1999 and lived in Florida for a short time. But then he returned... And Jessica was like, nope, you need to be clean before you come home. So she throws him out. But also there's an accusation that he molested one of her daughters, which eventually becomes unfounded, but I think it's probably still possible that Mm -hmm. he did. So he's on the road back and forth during the investigation into that molestation charges. He went back to Del Rio. That's when they found out that the allegations were unfounded. And then he was back with Jessica, which is when he attacked crystalline okay so here we are january 2nd so that attack happened the night of the 31st january 2nd 2000 the police were staking out his trailer they don't want to rush in because they're not sure if he'll hurt whoever's inside with him or what so they just kind of like sit there and wait until he eventually comes out and then they arrest him on the spot and he pleads with them he's like don't arrest my wife she had nothing to do with anything that i've ever done leave them alone i'm going willingly okay so when he when he's in the back of the patrol car he starts to talk but the police don't really engage in in conversation with him because apparently in texas you have to have confessions videotaped Mm -hmm. so they don't want him to say anything in the back of the cop car so they're just kind of like they just kind of let him talk and then they don't say anything whatever just like get your phone and be like you know, hold, yeah, hold it maybe. up and video it. Like, I mean, at that time, yeah, you would yeah. think, because it's 2000, that you should be able to do that. Oh, so. well, no. Anyway, no. My, my phone in 2000 was unfortunate. Flip? Flip I don't phone. even know if it was. I think it was, like, very large. I can't remember, honestly. <laughs> it was, like, one of I those Nokia exactly ones that you could change the face plates. <gasps> oh, <laughs> I don't even think it had yes. a camera. <laughs> Yes, it's true. True. Very true. Okay. So, no, can't do that. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, they want him to wait to talk until he's in the interrogation room. 
he says a few things while he's in the back seat, like, well, we have a lot to talk about. And then a bit later, he's like, I suppose you want me to tell you about all the other ones. And they were like, what? <laughs> what is happening? Not until we They're get to the by station, sir. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's end this now. So after getting a search warrant, they find the clothes he was wearing that night. And the blood isn't visible, but later on is extracted and they match Katie's. And Crystal's blood. They also find a knife that is consistent with the one that they use that he used on the girls. They do find a shoe, but it doesn't match the footprints. But I guess it's probably he could have been wearing other shoes at the time. So okay. that was kind of like inconsequential. In questioning, in the questioning of this crime, Tommy admits to killing Katie and attempting to kill Crystal. He's also asked about any kind of penetration on Katie. Okay. He's like, no, we didn't have sex. But then they later explain that if any kind of penetration, if he had, any, or they, they're asking him, have you had, any, did you have any kind of penetration with him or with her? And she, he admits that he did use his fingers, which apparently in the state of Texas, if there's penetration of any sort of a minor, it then becomes capital murder. And you're eligible for the death penalty, good. which is why they wanted to know mm-hmm. anything. Did you do anything? It should be like that. Do it so, like Texas. It, yeah. Be like Texas in some cases. Um, <laughs> this one's <laughs> <laughs> He's asked to make a written statement for all of these confessions, which he does. He also writes in his statements that he willingly made these Never asked for an attorney. They did explain everything that he would be charged for capital murder if there was penetration and all of that. And he still, like, he wrote all of this in his statement and he still wrote it. That's This is what the DA wanted, I think. They're like, you need to, besides this video confession, we need it in writing. Okay. So he was charged with three counts. Cause of committing burglary with intent to commit murder. Okay. Committing aggressive sexual assault and death of Katie. An attempted murder of Crystal. Okay. He pled not guilty to the first two and guilty to the last one. So guilty to attempted murder is all he pled guilty for? Yeah. Even though he confessed to everything and even And if he was there and attempted to kill Crystal, then who killed the other one? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Okay. All right. But he does go to trial. Crystal testifies. Is like, dude killed... Katie, tempted to kill me, did all of these things. He did it. Mm-hmm. He's right there. I saw it all happen. Mm-hmm. He's convicted of capital murder and is sentenced to death by lethal injection in November of 2000. Okay, good. All done. So, Thank you. The so, end. Yay. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Except that's only one murder that he's been convicted of. Okay. There's more. <laughs> we know that he says more? he's killed other people. Oh. And he attacked at Fabian. Right. But this doesn't make it. You hear I my do. dog? I do. Your dog is with me. <laughs> Your dog is like. <laughs> She's like, stop this now. Please stop. Um, okay. So he's not a serial killer just yet. So after the conviction, he also pleads guilty to killing Mary B. Perez. Oh, that nine-year-old. For whatever reason. Okay. Yeah. Which is in still in Del Rio. Okay. So he pleads guilty to that and is sentenced to life in prison. I don't know. Maybe there was no penetration in that point, so I don't know. But it's not capital murder. I know that. But he's already on death. He's sentenced to death. So, all right. So now we're going to go back a little bit because then he starts confessing 
to a crap ton of stuff. He goes on and on and on and on and on, which is typical of a serial killer. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Leah's like, Distracting you, you need to stop talking about this, yes. please. Sorry. So he's telling all the things. And when he gets to 50 victims, Ooh. he says, I'm only 70% done. Like, what? Anyway. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. All oh. right. <laughs> They're only able to confirm 13, like, immediately. Oh, just 13. That's all right off the bat. Just 13. Um, And that's just based on cases that are currently open and some information that he states that maybe only the killer would know, all that kind of stuff. So, if I tried to mention all of the stuff that he confessed to, we would literally be here for, like... I, I mean, I would venture to say like two days. It's it's ridiculous. Okay. So I'm just going to condense the best I can. I know I'll leave something out that somebody will be pissed about. Oh, well, you didn't mention this person, but I'm sorry. I just cannot mention them all. Oh, <laughs> so. No. so with all of those various arrests for stolen cars, pl- public drunkenness, he states that he killed all along the way, the whole time. He says in 1979, he broke into a window of a home in Mississippi and he killed a man because he caught him molesting a little boy, which apparently was later found to be untrue that that man was molesting a little boy. Okay. But this is his reason for killing. In 1985 in Forsyth, Forsyth, Missouri, he met a woman named Ina Court while he was working at a carnival. Another carny incident. Ina has a son named Willie who's four years old. They started a relationship of sorts, and one time he was at her house. Ina went through his backpack because she was just kind of curious, like, I don't know much about this guy. Let me see what he's carrying around. He catches her and thinks she's stealing from him, so he beat her over the head with Willie's baseball bat, and Billy watched. Or, not Billy, Willie watched. The four-year-old. He, the four-year-old. He then did the same to Willie and slit his throat because he didn't want to leave a witness. Those bodies were discovered a few days later, but Tommy had already left town. In 1986, he was back in St. Louis and worked for a towing company, and he says he shot a man he was helping out on the road, and he was arrested, but the charges were dropped. Not a whole lot of information on that, why the charges were dropped, but... He then went to Texas and worked on a shrimping boat where he overdosed on heroin, and that's when he spent time in a hospital. Later in 1986, he's in California and says he killed two women by shooting them and slitting their throats. Again, not they're this kind of like not totally proven, but they did find bodies. There were certain things that they found bodies in the areas that he said that he killed. Yeah. So they're like, well, maybe, but maybe it wasn't him. On May 1st, 1987, he had taken a freight train up to Niagara Falls area where Suzanne Coors was had gone missing after fighting with her boyfriend and had last been seen at a bar. And two days later, Tommy had woken up with his clothes covered in blood two states away. So they're fingering him for that, mm-hmm. but we don't really know. Her body was found seven years later on a hillside that Tommy said he dumped it on. Mm. So she wasn't found right away. So they're fairly... Certain they can connect him, but they can't prove it. Okay, Beth. This is when you really might want to leave the room. Okay, if but I you, can't. If, if, my, my headphone cord will not reach out there. <laughs> if what I have already told you hasn't sickened you, this this is. this. The, I don't even know how I'm going to get through this part of it. No. Okay. 
In November of 1987, he was in southern Illinois. He knocked on the door of Keith and Ruby Elaine Dardine, which in a lot of articles she goes by Elaine, so I'll be calling her Elaine, not Ruby. Not important, but he stated he wanted to buy the house because their house was for sale. But, and so they let him in, and he pulls a gun on them. Elaine was seven and a half months pregnant, and they had a two-year-old son named Peter. He tied them all up, took Keith out, shot him, and cut his penis off, and then shot him again in the head and dumped his body in the woods. And he had kind of told Elaine and Peter, like, stay where you are and be quiet, and nothing will happen to Keith, you know, threatening them into being quiet. So then he comes back. He proceeds to rape Elaine. He then takes a bat and hits little Peter and beats him over the head repeatedly in Elaine's presence. Mm-hmm. And because of the stress, she goes into labor. Oh, my God. He watches her give birth. Oh, my God. Three-pound baby girl was born in the midst of this. Tommy then cuts Elaine's breasts and beats the baby, like holds the baby by the legs and beats it to death in front of Elaine. Oh, my. Freaking disgusting. Disgusting human being. I can't. I can't. He admits mm. to all of this? Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. So, he then beats Elaine until she dies, and also sexually assaults her after death with a bat. Mm. He laid everyone in their beds, wiped the house clean, sanitized it. He then took, or he had already hid Keith's body Sorry, in the did woods. did you say he laid everyone in their beds? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He drives the car and leaves it like close to a police station. The family was found the next day. And at first, Keith was the one that they believe is what did this to his family because he's missing. He's not in the house with them. But then they find him later on in the woods and realize that he was, you know, a victim as all, for all of this. But due to insufficient evidence, he's never charged in this. He says he did it, but they can't charge him with it. In the fall of 1988, he claimed he was in Salt Lake City, City, Utah, where he was panhandling. He came across a mother and her son and got them to panhandle with him. And he made more money when he had a wife and kid. So he takes them after they panhandle for a little bit to Idaho, kills both of them and dumps them in a river and takes all the money that they made. Okay. My Mm -hmm. God. In 1989, he's in Winnemucca. (laughs) Love that name, actually. Winnemucca, Nevada. Okay where he claims he killed a hitchhiker named Stephanie Stroh. He strangled her, then put her feet in a bucket with concrete, and then drops her in a hot spring. And her family does a whole lot of investigating with a, to find her, and even a psychic who mentions some things, but I don't know that she was ever wow. found. He leaves Winnemucca in November of 1989. In 1990, he gets arrested for a couple of car thefts again, one of which... Is because he saw a couple on the side of the road and helps them by stealing another car to get them the tires that they need to put on theirs. Why would he and do so, that? Because he's an idiot. Um, clearly. Right? Anyway. But the car he stole, the guy saw him steal it, and so he gets caught and gets some jail time for that. So he's in jail for a short amount of time for that. And then you get to the point where he attacks Fabian in Charleston. So all of this was like pre-Fabian. This is what he's admitting to once he gets arrested in 2000 right. to all of this. Okay. 
And so at this point, you get to Fabian, which is when he decides to only attack children. Even though he had been attacking children, he was like, I'm only going to do children now. Great. So, and his story is still not <laughs> So, true crime author Diane Fanning. I don't know if you've I ever know heard Diane. of her. I mean, I don't know Diane. Okay. I know of Diane. Right. She decides that she wants to write a book on Tommy Lynn Sells. And so it's, the book is called Through the Window. And once I discovered that this book was in existence, I realized that I needed to read it to get all of the information I needed to for this episode. And so I end up listening to this eight-hour audio book because I knew I couldn't read it by the time I had found right. it. Like, I can't get through it. So I'm literally in one weekend. Such a fun weekend. <laughs> So, most of the information that I have mentioned, I got from that book, along with a few other articles. <clears throat> so, as, I, as Diane was about to finish the book, she's watching TV and sees a 2020 interview with a lady named Julie Ray from Lawrenceville, Lawrenceville Illinois. Okay. Side note, one of my friends who comes to watch Bachelor every Monday with me, her name is Julie Ray. Oh, <laughs> Spelled exactly the same. Okay. All of it. (laughs) So when I I actually saw this 2020 months ago with Emery, which is why I knew who this guy was. Um, And it was all about Julie Ray. And we were sitting there going, oh my gosh, Julie Ray, Julie Ray. (laughs) So it's kind of funny. So anyway, so Julie Ray's story becomes intertwined with Tommy Lynn. Julie Ray was a divorced mother with a son named Joel. He was 10 years old. And on October 13th, 1997, Julie woke up to a scream that she thought was coming from Joel. She got out of bed, and when she reached the hallway, she saw a dark figure. She then, well, she startled that person, and she lunged at him, and then he backhanded her. Mm -hmm. So she then chased him out into the yard where there was a struggle, and he backhanded her again. She fell to the ground, and the man fled. She says that she, like, got a look at him. When she looked up after she fell to the ground, he turned around. She said he had a mask on. He'll say that he didn't have it pulled down, but whatever. He didn't have a mask on when she looked up to look at him. So she thought Joel had been kidnapped, so she didn't even go back into the house. She ran straight to a neighbor's house to get help. And when the police arrived, they went to her home, and they found Joel on the ground in between his bed and the wall, covered in blood, and he had been stabbed to death. So, Julie gave police the story, but they had a hard time believing her. What? The home, because the home was in tip-top shape. They're like, you had this struggle with this person, chased him out the door. Nothing is showing us that. The door, the glass to the door going outside, it was broken out and not in as if he had broken in. So, there was little things. They said there was no footprints in the dew on the grass. Anyway... They zeroed in on Julie Ray, and they were like, we think you did this, and you're just making all this stuff. She also had um, some traces of blood on her, so they were like, well, how'd you get blood on there if you said you never had contact with Joel? You know, you left and went to the neighbor's house. Because she fought with the man who killed him. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you. But they're clearly just wanting to look at her and they have tunnel vision Mm. and so they're doing what they can they also find the knife in the hallway that didn't look like it had 
just been dropped. It looked like it had been placed there because there was no blood spatter. You know, like if there was blood on the knife and they had dropped it in the struggle, then maybe they... (laughs) Sorry, my dog's now walking around the house and (laughs) tap dancing. Um, There would be blood splatter somewhere on the carpet or on a wall right there. It just looks like it was like placed down, essentially, is what they're saying. So as if she had staged the house. Mm -hmm. That's what they're saying. So, okay. So they zero in on Julie, have tunnel vision. They don't have enough to indict her. So the case just sits there for a few years. And Julie ends up getting remarried, moves to Indiana. Lawrenceville, Illinois is like kind of close to the border of Indiana. So it's not like she moved so far away to another state. She probably just moved right over the border. Um, But a few years later, in May of 2000, they arrest her for the murder of Joel. And in March of 2002 she's convicted and sentenced to 65 years in prison okay good lord and her and she insists she's innocent the whole time no one including her ex-husband thinks she's innocent her ex-husband's like i think it was a case of if i can't have him all the time nobody can kind of thing oh she is a little strange and if you watch this 2020 you're kind of like hmm you are kind of awkward, but sh- but people are socially awkward in general. It doesn't mean that you're going to kill your kid. So anyway, she insists on her, her innocence. So Diane, she just, well, Julie decides to go in 2020 to talk from about her jail. case. That's from okay. jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's in full in her orange jumpsuit. Okay. <laughs> so Diane Fanning is watching this 2020 and one a part of it stuck out to her. The prosecutor is on there saying, if you were to believe Julie, that would mean that someone decided to go into her house to murder her son and didn't bring a murder weapon, grab something from the home, and then just left. And this made Diane think, oh my gosh, but that's exactly what Tommy would do. Mm-hmm. He would walk and did in. Do. He wouldn't ever, yeah, and did do. Sometimes wouldn't bring a murder weapon. He'd just grab something that he could use or whatever. And she's been in contact with him. So she's like, I'm going to write him a note. So she writes a note saying, I just watched a show about this woman who says um, that she didn't kill her kid, but nobody believes her. She doesn't give him any specific information. She doesn't say where it was, no names, nothing. So when he writes her back, he says, okay, so about this lady who says someone came into her home and murdered her son. Was this about two days before my Springfield murder? Maybe on the 13th? Well, he was killed on October 13th. Okay. And, it, and so, right there by Springfield? Right. Okay. Exactly. Well, not right there, but I mean, Springfield, it's probably hours apart, but that's two days. Right. You can get from one to the other. Right. So she goes to attorneys and tells them, and the Illinois Innocence Project gets involved. Meanwhile, Julie gets her conviction set aside after two years because of a technicality. I could not find what the technicality was, but I didn't really look too far into it, but it never said it. But then they turn around as soon as she gets released initially right away and arrest her again for the same thing. Hmm. She gets a, a new trial two years later. And with new evidence, they find, and Tommy's interview that he's given, mm-hmm. 
because now he's given another interview to 2020 corroborating her story. Well, I remember going to this house to kill someone and somebody walked in and I didn't punch them. I backhanded them and then they chased me out into the yard and we struggled and then I left and the house was brick and whatever. Like, so he had like information Mm -hmm. that would corroborate how Julie was saying the events went. And he also said that he lost the knife at some point because he went to stab her, but then realized he didn't have it. So in this trial, she's found not guilty. Mm. So, and then eventually she gets a certificate of innocent innocence in 2010. But the prosecutor still thinks she did it and that it's a fairy tale that Tommy Lynn had done it. Like, why should we believe this serial killer in jail? He'll probably tell you any story. But at most likely it was mm-hmm. him. And that's what m- most people believe. Okay. So, okay. They also had other witnesses. There was a guy that was at a diner like a mile down the road that saw... you know his composite based on what julie ray had Mm -hmm. said and said oh i saw that guy in the diner he talked to my son actually made some weird comments to him and then walked on down the railroad tracks and about a mile down the railroad tracks if you go straight down right off of him is where julie ray lived so it wouldn't be off the cuff here and then also um a greyhound bus Worker sold a ticket to a man who met also met the description of Julie's suspect that was nervous and needed to get a bus out of town right away to Winnemucca. <gasps> and everyone's like, Winnemucca? Like, hmm. We know somebody who a went usual to Winnemucca. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this is like years later when they're like, looking into it and her book had come out and he had talked about Winnemucca and so they're like where do we go back and so they look so anyway Winnemucca the bus to Winnemucca apparently stops in St. Louis because apparently she had come forward at the time but nobody matching the description got off the bus in Winnemucca so they like kind of let that go at the time but then they realized years later that that bus makes a stop in St. Louis and more than likely he got off in St. Louis stayed there because he had family mm-hmm. and then went three hours down the road to, to Springfield where he says he killed another 13 year old girl. Mm-hmm. So are we going to talk about her? Okay. No, no. I mean, it's a straightforward. He says he killed this 13 year old girl and it's, it is what it is. Okay. But when I tell you, like I kept going and I'd find something else and I'm like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> now what? I find another case late in, in my research. In April of t- April 27th, 1982, right here in St. Louis, okay. a single mom of three girls, Joanne Tate, had been brutally murdered, and the two youngest girls, who were seven and four, had been sexually assault- assaulted and tortured, but survived. Oh. The oldest girl, well, not the oldest, because she had a teenager mm-hmm. who was not at home that night. But the oldest, seven-year-old, gave a description and kept saying, Billy did it. She ended up pointing a finger at a man named Rodney Lincoln, who her mother had had a casual relationship with at some point. Because of a hair left at the scene that resembled that of Rodney's. Because yeah, this is 82. And the seven, you said, right? Because it's 82. Okay. It resembled. So it's like people looking at mm-hmm. them in a microscope, and they're like, yeah, they look pretty similar. Mm-hmm. So... Because of that and the seven-year-old's testimony, Rodney was convicted Mm. and sentenced to two life Mm. sentences for the attack on the girls and I think about 10 or 15 years for the murder of Joanne. Okay. 
to be served consecutively. Mm. He's always maintained his innocence, and his daughter Kay always believed him and fought for him for years. Over time, the hair was tested for DNA, and it was proven to not be Rodney's. Who tested it? Like Um, an innocence project type thing? Well, Innocence Projects gets involved at some point, but not at this point. I think once they could start testing it, it was tested because Kay was constantly saying, my dad didn't do this, my dad didn't do this. So they would test things, Mm -hmm. they tested it, but it was found that it wasn't his, but it didn't matter. They didn't care. They were like, he's still guilty. He still was pointed out by Melissa, so we still have that. So we're not doing anything about it, basically, to get him out of jail. I don't care that the hair didn't match. It's fine. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, my gosh. What I have found out about Missouri, I hate the justice system here. I mean, I hate the justice system in general most of the time, but, like, I really hate it here now. So, in 2015, True Crime Daily did a story on the Rodney Lincoln case and Joanne's daughter, Melissa. She was part of it, but not, like, on her Mm -hmm. own. She gave her part of the story. So, she watches it, watches everything back, and in this story, they mention Tommy Lynn Sells and like his mo and what he's done in the past and whatever and like the possibility that could it have been him he could have been in the area at the time blah blah blah. so she sees him and she literally realizes oh my gosh it wasn't rodney (gasps) it was tommy lynn sells he's the man that came into my house blah 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 she he killed my mother attacked us because and it's also very similar to all of the other crimes there was also like a broomstick with the mom left inside her so lots of things that resembled what he had done so tommy had also told diane fanning the author that he had committed crimes in the st louis area that are closed and that other people were in jail for but he wouldn't say anything more about them and talk about them because he still had family living in st louis so he probably just was like i don't want people coming after my family because of what i did and so he won't talk about anything that he didn't say okay So Melissa contacts Rodney's daughter through Facebook and asks if they can talk, but that she's scared. And Kay calls her immediately, and Melissa's sobbing, saying, I'm so sorry, your poor dad. I'm sorry, he did not do this to us. And she's, like, beside herself. Mm -hmm. I think it's Tommy Lynn that did it. So she recants her testimony, and at first they won't even reopen the do- the investigation, which is crazy to me because they don't have the hair anymore, and now they don't have their star witness saying, they're like, nope, he didn't do it. Literally do zero it. evidence. Mm-hmm. But they're also saying, well, but now it's 30-something years down the road. You're saying your memory is better now than it was when you were a 7-year-old, except there's lots of stuff with how she was interrogated and how she was shown pictures mm-hmm. and anyway so <clears throat> she recants it they won't reopen it but eventually his sentence was commuted by the governor to time served on july 3rd 2018 after serving 36 <gasps> years and 10 days wow rodney's released poor rodney but according to the state he's still guilty of the crime because he wasn't pardoned or exonerated he just his sentence was commuted mm-hmm. So he's just let out. So I came across this, like I said earlier, late in my research, and I found a podcast dedicated to this case. It's called The Real Killer, and I just finished it yesterday. This is Rodney's case? Rodney's okay. case. You need to listen. Gonna listen. Everybody go and listen to it. It is fascinating, 
it it has all of the players, Melissa's involved in it, Kay's involved in it, Rodney's involved in it, the prosecutor, the new prosecutor in the state of Missouri is involved with it, the Innocence Project, everyone's involved with it. Even another suspect that was suspected of killing Joanne back in the day calls from jail because he's in jail now and talks to the... It, it's fantastic. Listen, the real killer. Got it. Go listen to it. I could not get it to play on Apple, by the way, so I had to go to CastBox, but maybe it was uh, something with my phone. So okay. anyway, look for it and listen to it. Okay. So they strongly believe that Tommy is responsible for this, but they can't prove it at this point. There's just so many similarities, like I mentioned earlier, to the other murders that he's committed. And it is pointed out that Tommy's father's name, because remember Melissa said, Billy did this. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why is she saying Billy if it's Tommy Lynn? Well, her, his dad's William. name was William. So they're thinking, it's not a far stretch for him to go by Billy or William or why something in place of that. Why can't they test the hair? Okay, so there we go. Here we go. We're going okay, to get to that. Okay. I'm going to get to that. I do have it in here. So, Tommy had been arrested mid-April for other offenses in um, Springfield that were close to Springfield. So they're like, well, was he even in? Because they were trying to figure out, was he in St. Louis at the mm-hmm. time? And people were like, well, he was in St. Louis sometime during that year. We can't remember exactly what month. Well, in April... Right before this occurred, he had been arrested near Springfield, and he was supposed to be in a juvenile facility. But when they look into it, there's actually no proof that he went to that juvenile, like he was sentenced Mm -hmm. to it, but there's no proof that he was transported there. Mm. There's no record of it. And they also say that it wasn't very secure, and kids would, like, leave all the time, and nobody would just stop. What's happening in Missouri? What What are you guys doing? Well, I mean, it is in the 80s when this occurred. But, yes, no, I agreed. So, again, there's other suspects that were in the area as well, so we won't ever know for sure. But there are many crimes that fit his M.O., and he's admitted to that they can't confirm. So when he's arrested, um, he confessed to another murder, 13-year-old in Lexington, Kentucky, in May of 1999, and he is charged with that murder and rape of her. But he's not convicted because in Texas you can't extradite a person on death row. So anything in any other state, he is indicted for, Mm -hmm. but he can't be convicted of. Because he can't go on trial. Because he can't go on trial. That's a weird rule. So he's a... Why would you not... It is a... Is it like that now? Um... I, I did try and look into it, and from what I can tell, yes, but I don't know 100% that that's right. So it is crazy. But this is why, like, he's a serial killer because they can definitively link him. I believe now it's up to 22 mm. that they can definitively link him to, but they, they can't. He's only been convicted of Crystal, not Crystal, Katie's and Mary B, who he pled guilty mm-hmm, to. Mm-hmm. That's because they were in the same state. Okay. So, um, sorry, miss my, lost my spot. Linked to 22 other killings. Claims there's dozens more. There's a list of unidentified victims on different websites. So... You can go and look at them, but they're they're all in my notes. So, okay. So the day he's supposed to get executed, his lawyers tried to get a stay of execution saying that they need to know the name of the pharmacy where they're getting the drugs so that they can verify the quality of the drugs to prevent unconstitutional pain and Mm -hmm. suffering. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. You don't get Mm -mm. that. You don't deserve that. no? I said, no. Yeah. Ha! They they said, "Uh uh-uh. You need unconstitutional pain and suffering, my sir. We we don't need to provide that to you. We're getting it from a pharmacy. You'll be fine. So he's executed on April 3rd, 2014 by lethal injection at the age of 49, and he refused to give any last words. Huh. 
However, he did say these chilling words in an interview in 2010. Sorry. I'm hatred. When you look at me, you look at hate. I don't know what love is. Two words I don't use are love and sorry because I am about hate. Let me in. Mm. He also said in an interview in 2020 that he likes to watch the eyes fade and the pupils fade. And that's basically what gives him a rush. Okay, so back to, I'm sorry, back to the hair. I didn't mention it then, but I should have. His hair or that DNA was tested with mitochondrial DNA. And his DNA profile was not tested that way. And they give two different kinds of information. So they can't compare them to each other because they're two different okay tests so never so right oh, now they can't do now. that okay mm-hmm. so because he's dead and there are fingerprints that they may test apparently this case is considered open hmm. joanne's case and there are fingerprints that they may test but we haven't gotten there. i mean literally this podcast ended in february of this hmm. year so this is all very new also just fun little fact Diane Fanning, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. she started writing, somebody asked her why she started writing true crime, and she was a victim of an attempted kidnapping. Someone, when she was a little kid, asked her for directions, and when she went to go look at the map, the guy tried to grab her into the car, and like another car was right there, and beeped the horn, and so that car drove away, but she memorized, I think it was, she was like nine or something, memorized the license plate number, told her mom, and the guy was caught right away and he had evidence in his trunk for the rape and murder of a child a month before and so then ever since then she's been like i'm all in on like i did not know that i knew she was a crime author a true crime author but i did not know that about her i found this out because of the podcast the real killer Hmm. because she's on there anyway that (laughs) my friends in a nutshell is tommy lynn sills am i done (laughs) Was I confusing? <laughs> I mean, are you done? I don't know. <laughs> I followed you. I can tell you that. I have a fun fact for you. Did you okay. know that Texas no longer offers last meals? Wait, I think I did know Isn't that. Isn't that crazy? They, they have to eat whatever everybody else is eating that day. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I think it's I did know that. Dude, sorry. You maybe get executed on a Friday on pizza day people were asking for insane things and they're like we're not paying for that anymore yeah and they like, can't eat ridiculous it yeah 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 i think i did know that i don't know that i knew it was texas but i had heard it should be implemented everywhere like federally but anyway for real <sighs> i mean i'm never eating again but i'm spent <laughs> i bet i'm spent i can't can't that podcast though listen to it guys listen it's really good but you're, well, you'll know what I'm talking about. I don't need to go into it, but you're going to learn stuff about Missouri and the justice system that is just going to make you vomit. And I'm over it. And I want to move. <laughs> Come back. Come back to North Carolina. <laughs> so, anyway. Well, thank you. Candace. How did she hear about Tommy Lynn? She wrote me. I she said that she saw. Um, I want to say it was a um, twenty twenty, okay. and then just got into a rabbit yeah. hole. Let's see. Yes, I was watching a show about Joel Kirkpatrick, Kirkpatrick, which is the um, Julie Ray okay. son. 
case. And when they mentioned him, I fell down a rabbit hole and then realized he'd been in West Virginia, not far from me. And it really creeped yeah. her out. She wrote me. So I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That. Bless your heart. So she must have watched the same mm. Dateline or 2020 that Emery and I sat on our living in our living room watching not too long mm-hmm. ago and was like, what the hell? <laughs> so. Well done. Anyway. I don't know if it was well done, it was but well, it is the I best told you I could it was do. well done just now. <laughs> it was well done. Right. You could, that's a real, yeah. real, um, what a one to end it on. Guess what? It's ending. It's over. It is over. Come on, October. Let's talk about something spooky and not serial killers. Can we do that? Mm. We <laughs> Did can I try. just announce something? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we can try. This has been a month. Let's sprinkle it in. <laughs> also, I just want to tell you guys, the last two serial killers, just this one, Tommy Lynn, and the one before, Gary Michael Hilton, we recorded all in one day. Yep. <laughs> Now we're done. We have literally mm-hmm. been at this for like five hours. I'm going to go sage. Just like my being. I should for the first time ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Um, but great episode. Great. Mm-hmm. Serial killers. Thank you guys so much for the suggestions for the serial killers this year. And we hope you enjoyed it. And we hope you enjoyed our um, survivor stories over on the Patreon if you did that. And come find us on social media. October is going to be a lot of fun. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Should, Should be. be a lot of fun. It's my birthday. <laughs> um, so it's almost my birth month. It's the best time ever yes. for me. Yours, yours and Jess's. Yes. Over <laughs> from what, what happens, happens in, the in the woods. We always like to do something special together. So stay tuned for that. And we appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with us. For our third annual Serial Killer September, right? It's the third one, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But this is the this is the year we did the most, I think. I think so. Yeah. Because the first year we released one one week, and then the second part the second mm-hmm. week, and then we did it all in the same week, but still only did two yeah. a month. It's been something else, guys. Know. We're really tired, but we're super excited to have you here with us. And we're done. We're done. <laughs> we're leaving mm-hmm. now. So we'll see you next week for another episode, a regular episode, not a serial killer. Mm-hmm. But until then, always remember, the world is scary. People suck, especially serial killers. Hide in your closet. <laughs>